Our text this morning is in 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, and we'll be looking at verses 3 through 6, 3 through 6. If you'll turn there. What about this claim that we make that we know God? In fact, uh, there are many in this world that would say, I know God. There are a lot of movements or um, organizations that would make a claim that they know God. And some even try to pass for Christianity. But what is true? Which of the claims that a person could make, an organization could make, a denomination could make, which of those claims are true? Is there a test? Is there a test by which... Uh, We can know that we know God or that we can know that someone else knows God. And we've heard people say they know God, but while we do not know their hearts, we wonder if that would be the case. And besides all that, what does knowing God really all mean? Well, John writes for us today, as he did so many years ago, a word that from the Holy Spirit that it is as needful now as it was in his day, as he was dealing with those who were walking away from the Christian faith with a special knowledge, they would say. And so in our series, The Joy of Knowing, we're going to look at a knowing today, the knowing of God and how that we might know that we know God. Let's read together verse 3. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who abides or who says he abides in him ought to, ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Let me back up a second. The last part of verse 5 connects with 6. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Let's bow in prayer and ask God's help to understand his word today. Gracious God, we come to you in the quietness of our morning to ask that you would, by your Holy Spirit, work in our hearts in such a way that we would understand your word today. Father, may it be clear, but also by the power of the Holy Spirit, may we conform our hearts to know your word and to know you. And Father, if there are things in our hearts and lives that would cast shadow on our knowing you, may we, as John commanded in the first chapter confess our sins. Lord, may we make sure of your work in our hearts and lives. May we glorify you in all that we say and do today. Words in Christ, in my pray. Amen. How many like tests? No? <clears throat> you don't like tests? I Actually, um, I would actually, in college, I would rather do tests than I would do homework. Um, I could generally logic out a test, you know, you kind of know the teacher and you logic it out um, for most things, and you just kind of, 
homework, man, that took time. That took, that took hard work. Um, that, over the course of my college career, I had to change, of course. Um, but tests are not bad. You know, it's funny because you see advertisements on TV, and they don't look like tests. You know, you've seen the advertisement of eHarmony. You know, there's 35 dimensions. People, that's a test. They're going to test you on who you are, okay? Some of you may have availed of that, and some of you may have not. But uh, I don't have personal knowledge, but I do know who people do it. They ask you a lot of questions. Well, why are they asking you questions? Well, they want to know the areas that are most important to you. So if you pass the test in those areas, then, then they will put somebody else with you who, passed, you know, who, who were, was good in those areas, and so you, they put you together. But it's a test. They're testing your relationship, your responses to things. And so basically a test is what we use to measure things in life. Tests are not... Um, Contrary to popular belief, the way that teachers get back at students. I, I know, you, you think that's the way it is, but the teachers have, have sworn to me, those who are teachers, that's not how they re, you know, get retribution on you. It is to see, to test, whether you know the subject matter at hand. Now, John uses a test or two. We're going to look at two specific tests in these verses of the subject matter of knowing, but... When John says to know something, as we'll see in a moment, it's not just having facts about it. It is something much deeper. So there, there's a test here. As we saw in 3 through 6 of John, 1 John 2, there's tests. And these tests are, I'll summarize this way, tests of knowing the love of God is at work in you. There are tests that will show you or tell you that you have the love of God and that that love of God is at work in you. Okay, so here are the series of tests. First test. First test. Okay, I know the love of God is working in me in that first test when I know God and the work of God informs me to keep his commandments. The first test. When we know God, we keep his commandments. Okay, verse 3. Let's look what he says. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. We know that we come to know him. He uses know 25 times in this brief letter. That's reason, one of the reasons I, I entitled the series The Joy of Knowing. He uses know quite often. He has another word, another Greek word that's used also in this understanding of, of know. But By this, he says, we know to be the case that we have come to know him. Uh, He uses this this word here, gnosko. It uh, denotes a personal knowledge. Uh, Hebert says, uh, here the double use of the verb, we do know that we know him, denotes assured knowledge. The present tense followed by the perfect tense declares that we have have the continuing realization that we have entered into an abiding knowledge of him. Okay? So put that on the screen for you earlier. We do know that we know him, that assured knowledge, assured knowledge that we know him. Why? How do we know the abiding presence there? The abiding presence. So to know God, to understand this, to know him, is that we have the continued realization that we have entered into an abiding knowledge of him. This is not knowing facts about God. I know he's great. I know he's good. This is knowing God, the character of God. This is an experiential. I've experienced the work of God in my heart 
so that I know him. So verse 3, by this we know that we have come to know him. Positive tests of this first test is that we keep his commandments. What John is saying is that if I know God, if we know God in our hearts, the abiding presence of God, we will keep his commandments. It's an ongoing progressive thing that we'll, we'll, our lives will be characterized. Will we always keep every commandment? Well, we've seen in chapter 1 that we do sin. And so we have an advocate with the Father. We can come and, and in chapter 2. We can confess our sins in chapter 1 again that he, he might forgive us our sins, but our lives will be characterized, John says, by this keeping of God's commandments. If we keep these commandments. See, the, we'll say the pre-Gnostic view was that there was some otherworldly plane, mystic plane of knowledge of God, a mystical knowledge. And that mystical knowledge of God caused them not to be concerned with the earthly plane. And so you didn't have to do things in the body Keep commandments. No, because you had an otherworldly spiritual knowledge. And John says, no. He calls foul on that. He throws the flag. We're not in football season. Uh, But he throws the, the yellow flag on this and says, no, that claim cannot be made. That can, because if we know God, if we have come to know him, this ongoing relationship, we will be characterized by keeping his commandments. You know, it, this means there, it could be possible that a lot of people make a lot of noise about knowing God, but their lives are not characterized by keeping the commandments, and they would fail the test. They do not know God. And this, these words are not just the Ten Commandments. This is the words of God that He has given to us in His Word, the instruction of God. You know, it's interesting because in the believer, if a believer comes to me and says, you know, I'm not sure of my salvation, but I am really concerned about it, and it really bothers me when I sin, I'll come to them and say, you know, I don't know your heart, but a sinner is not bothered by keeping the commandments. They don't care about that. But you know what? As a believer, you and I can come to the point where we are... We're, we're sinning. We're not keeping the commandments. And the Holy Spirit starts to work on our hearts. And part of that response sometimes is, in our fleshly nature, we are unsure of our salvation. But the convicting Holy Spirit of God is there should cause us to not doubt our salvation, but come running to God in confession. The realization that God is at work in my heart when I feel the work of God pricking me, the Holy Spirit of God pricking me. Now, wait a second, you say, I've been told all my life to this focus on God, keeping his commandments. If I, that focus on keeping commandments is legalism. It's not legalism. The keeping of God's commandments is not legalism. It's the voluntary reaction of one who knows the abiding presence of God to live out a life of love and of joy and of obedience to God. The positive of this first test, is keeping God's commandments. But in verse 4, he gives us the negative side of that. Verse 4 says, The one who says, I have come to know him, and does not keep the commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. The truth is not found anywhere in him. So he comes back to this false claim. 
here that says, I know God, I have come to know him. But the life says, and more literally says, the commandments is not, not, he is not keeping. The commandments, he's not keeping here. And the order kind of tells us there's a consistent failure to keep God's commandments. It's an ongoing habit of the life. So there's a contradiction between a profession, I know God, and the action, the living out of that. The conduct invalidates the claim. John says this, is, this person is a liar. Now John, that's not very nice. I mean, this is, the, this is the nice disciple. This is not Peter. John says, you lie. You, you are a liar if you say one thing, but your, your life is not known by consistent keeping of the commandments. That is your bent, your trajectory toward that. The truth is not found in him. He continues in verse 5. It comes back to the positive. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. What a wonderful verse. But whoever keeps the general admonitions of God, obeys and keeps, this is ongoing, ongoing obedience, the love of God truly has been perfected. Now, this, the love of God is, is God's love. We could say, I'm loving God, but it doesn't say the genitive there in the, in the Greek says, this is the love of God is being perfected, being made perfect or content, uh, complete. Um, and, and notice that this also is the passive. This is the work of God, the love of God working in the life to bring this completeness, this growth in the body of Christ. Whoever keeps the word of God in him, the love of God is working to perfect and to continue to grow. And truly that work is there, he says. And so there's a positive aspect that if we're characterized by keeping God's commandments, it's not just legal, legalism, it's not just, oh, i got to do this, so God will love me. It's a love of God that says, I want to follow Him. And that is the, re- the result, the reciprocation of God's love working in the heart. And so plowing up the heart so that we, are, we desire more and more to keep His commandments because His word, His love is working there in the heart. You know, it, it's... It's not the keeping of God's word that makes God's love perfected. Although we are to keep God's word. It's not I'm keeping God's word so that it's as we keep the words of God, he begins to work in our lives. And it reveals the ongoing nature of God's work in my heart and your heart. That's the beautiful thing. We call it progressive sanctification because we are not sanctified all at once. Our position in Christ is we are saved. We are there we have a home in heaven, but as we begin to walk life's journey, we see that bubbles up within us, our sin nature, and the work of a God become, becomes that, that mechanism that brings us more and more like the Savior. So he's telling us there's a test. That first test is of obedience. The first test is, is one of obedience to God's word. Do I know God? Is my life characterized by obeying God? That's the test that I should, should run on myself. You know, you, I'm not a nurse, but I have my Apple Watch, which I don't have today. I can see my pulse, okay? I'm the old analog, automatic, you know, wind them up. Well, actually, automatic, you just move your arm. Um, but the pulse is there. I test. I'm still alive. Or my heart races. How, how fast is it? Or my heart's not fast enough. You know, it's, 
It's a test. The test of the heart of God who knows the heart that knows God is the obedience to God's word, his general admonitions. So we can run that test upon ourselves. We can check ourselves to see. We can put the finger to the wrist or to the throat and see on, on the commandments, am I following what God says? Generally, is my life seeking to live out God's? And that is a confirmation that we love God. It's an assurance that we love God. There's a second test, though. By um, end of verse 5, the second test that he gives to us rolls into to verse 6, and that test is when we know God, we live as Jesus lived. When we know God, we live as Jesus lived. Verse 5, by this we know that we are in him, we are in God, the one, colon, the one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he, Christ, walked. The second test is all about Jesus. It's all about the walk about the manner in which we live according to him. Now, let's look at a word because we saw this in our scripture reading this morning. We saw this word of abide. We saw a word abide, to remain or to stay or to continue to live in. And in John 15 that we read, uh, verse 4, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. And the main vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. That abiding is remaining in Christ. Is staying close to Christ. Now that abiding, as we read in John 15, and we continue that chapter, uh, has some pruning in it, has some washing and some cleansing that goes on. And sometimes God has to, even when we, when we abide and we, we hit those rough patches, God doesn't I abide. No, sometimes God is pruning those things out of our lives. He is cutting us back often. He cuts us back so that we grow more. This little book that we have uh, given out, it's called Secrets of the Vine, explains the work of God. Sometimes God in abiding is is calling sin to, to mind. There is the, the response is confession of the sin, the repentance. Sometimes, though, he's cutting away those things so that we may be more useful and more fruitful in him. And this is all part of abiding in Christ. And so, the one who says, I abide in him, in Christ, that one ought himself, notice the emphasis there, himself to walk in the same manner as he, Jesus, walked. To walk in that same manner. So the claim of abiding has this characteristic of walking. Now, we've talked about this before, but in case you haven't heard it, uh, many of the New Testament writers use the word walk uh, to, to give us the understanding of living, how we live out our life. We walk, we walk down the path, we walk down the lane. They walked more than, than we do, probably. Um, more than I do, they walked more. And so this was, they, they lived together as they walked. So we're, we're walking to Jerusalem from Jericho. We're, that's a long walk. And so it would, take, it would take a long time. So we would walk along, we would talk, we would camp, and then we'd continue. And it's living life here. He says, if you abide in him, that one ought to 
walk or live in the same manner as Jesus lived. What is this? If I am to profess, sometimes the tongue just doesn't always respond. If I am to profess that I am abiding in Christ, I am to have a relationship with the Savior and it's going to be there's going to be the look of the Savior in how I live. The same manner. No. He's not talking physically of putting one foot in front of the other. He's talking about a close imitation. A duplication, as it were, but an imitation of the life, of how Jesus lived. We all ought also to live, to abide in Him. To abide in Jesus is to to live as Jesus lived, to imitate our Savior and how He lived. And we look at the Gospel, and it is replete with examples of how Christ lived, how He reached out to those who were in desperate need, how He healed the lepers. He didn't run away from those that had the, the, the serious diseases. He ran to them. How He cared for the lame. He healed the blind. As He cared for all of these, how He... He loved. So we are by close imitation to follow the heart and life of Jesus. The second test of knowing God is the test of imitation. Does my life look, does it have the characteristics of Christ's life? Wow, that's sobering. That's sobering. Christ said, I come to do the will of the Father. Do, do we do the will of Christ? Is that, he said, this, that's my purpose, to do the will of the Father. Is our purpose to do the will of God? It's interesting that when we do live as Christ, do, Christ lived, how the example he has given for us, our perspective on life radically changes. The difficulties that that come into our lives, we see them as opportunities to use the grace and mercy that our Christ had in our lives to others to show when we are reviled, uh, I think of of Matthew and the Beatitudes, or persecuted, how do we respond? How do we respond like Christ responds? How do we respond to physical, spiritual, emotional pain Does it envelop us or do we see that there is a higher calling for us in and through this pain that Christ be magnified, that God the Father be magnified, whether by life or death, as the writer says. It's living as Christ lived. It's an imitation. The one who stays close to Jesus finding himself living. No, we're not walking on water. We're caring for those We're doing all those things that God has given us the opportunity to do and we're seeking to live out our life in such a way that brings glory to him. As one writer said, Roy Hessian, is living Christ's life through ours. And it takes the humility of taking the eye of ourselves, the eye of my pride, and bend it into a sea. As Roy also says in his book, that I should be bent so that my life reflects Christ. It's no longer I, but Christ to be seen in me. 
Second imitation is imit- second test is imitation. Do I know God? Do I follow? Do I imitate? By the grace of God, my Savior, do I gladly follow Him? Do I gladly seek to obey His commandments? What John is saying here, what we're learning is, number one, John is calling faults. He's claiming as invalid those who would say, I know Jesus, I have some spiritual, super mystic knowledge, but I don't have to keep God's word, I don't have to be like Jesus. He's saying, no, that's wrong. That's wrong, you're lying. I'm above a morality, I don't have to do all those things, I have a special knowledge, I'm okay. He's also calling false to those who said, I'm abiding God, I'm abiding Jesus, but I can live immorally or amorally because it doesn't matter. I don't have to follow the pattern of Jesus. I just need to be Jesus's. I just need to be, be his child and I can do anything else I want. He calls foul on that. So John is saying that. He's also saying, as we pull back from the passage in the book, that, that we might have an abiding relationship with God the Father through Jesus. Understand, here's one level that, yes, we are to keep the commandments, we are to follow Christ, but the second level is that the joy that we have of knowing the Father. He has made a way, and the reciprocation of that way is that we walk like Christ, but never lose sight of the joy of knowing God, the joy of knowing our God, that he allows us to. He says, it is possible. I'm not so far removed that you can't know me. In fact, it's, it's, no, it's not just a knowing of experience. You can abide in me, Jesus says, and I in you. And the glorious truth of that is when we come to salvation, it is not an isolation of here's me, here's my God so far away. Yes, God is transcendent, but he's also imminent. He is right here. He's close by. He abides in me. He abides in you if you know him as your Savior. And the joy of that overflows into the keeping of the commandments, into the keeping, the following of Christ. It's a bubbling over. It is the, the why, the abiding is the why behind the what and the how I do life. Because I have the abiding presence of my God. Jesus is within me. This is not a passive relationship. Yes, God works in you through his word. He works on our heart. But he also desires us to live in such a way. You know, if our desire is only to be spiritual, to do right things, and even to not to sin, we've missed the point. But if our goal is God himself, if our goal is the abiding knowledge of our dear Savior, to live in Him and He in us, that goal will grow and be met day by day as we yield ourselves to Him. And that's the true message of John. There is joy in knowing. There's joy in knowing your God. There's the abiding presence of the Gospel of John 15. There's the abiding presence of our God. And it works its way in our hearts and lives. And we are to yield ourselves to that working. To be obedient. To let God do His work in us. To know the joy of knowing our God. 
the question you must ask yourself is, do I know Jesus? Is he my God? Is he my Savior? Secondly, am I abiding? Maybe I know him, but I'm, I for temporarily have confused myself. I've told myself a lie that I can operate outside of the manner in which Jesus walked in the commandments. Knowing God is more than doing, not doing wrong things. Knowing God is living out his will and his life through our lives. And there is truly joy in knowing our God. And knowing that we know. In him we abide. And we keep his commandments. And we live as Jesus lived. Oh, may we know the joy of the abiding presence of our God. And may it change us to be more like our Savior. Let's bow for prayer. Before I pray, I would ask you to examine your heart. My intention, my intention is not to cause a believer to doubt their salvation. For the believer, this is the test, the checkup. Is my goal God? If my goal is God, then I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to walk as Christ walked. And so in that, there are all of us at many different times in our lives have to kind of check, do that that check, check the temperature, the blood pressure, and and do that work of of allowing God to, to dig deep. But secondly, maybe you're here. <clears throat> maybe you're here and you say, I do not. I've never known the abiding presence of God. But what you talk about, Stacey, is, is the joy and peace that I need, that I've longed for. So my invitation to you today is, that you would come and know Jesus. You'd come and know him as your Savior, not as some wise person, some teacher, but as one who died upon the cross for you, who desires to see you repent and turn from your sin and come receive peace through him, forgiveness of sin home in heaven. This morning, whether you know God or whether you do not, there is joy in knowing. And so, respond to the work of God. Gracious God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you have made yourself known to us. And that indeed is the marvel In our rebellion, you provided a way. And that way was Christ. So God, as believers here, I pray that we would know not only salvation, but the abiding presence of Christ in our hearts and lives. That would yield to his work, the growth, pains in our hearts and lives. That we would count abiding in him 
of greater importance than anything else in this human world. And as a natural reaction of, of, of knowing Christ and of knowing the Father, we'd respond in obedience in a manner that is glorifying Christ. Oh God, would you do a work in my heart? Would you remind me moment by moment of who Jesus is and what he has done in my heart and life and how I must be conformed to his image? to live like he lived. And would you encourage us all to do so? Lord, may you be seen through us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the joy of knowing. It's in Christ I pray. Amen.